This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning. Welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today, the topic and business at hand is the business of creating a communications vehicle, a communique, if you will, that focuses on the essence of culture. And in this case, we're talking about Southern culture, American culture, and what I'd like to think of as universal culture because much of what applies to uh, America and to the South uh, applies to other parts of the world when we're talking about uh, good design, good fashion, good food, uh, and other aspects of culture. Uh, People can relate universally Consequently, I'm very pleased to have back to the Business Hour the editor-in-chief and creative director of ID Magazine, Tova Gelfon. Welcome to back. Hello. Thank you for having me back. I'm really pleased that uh, you were available to come back to the show because I want to talk about the evolution of ID Magazine, which which had its roots uh, as an online digital publication, if you will, and has evolved now to a print publication. And that is no easy task. No, sorry, Bob, it's not. And it's very unusual in this day and age. People like to think that uh, maybe print is dead or digital will continue to evolve, but we found quite the opposite. Well, before we actually get into the uh, evolution of the online version of ID Magazine to the printed version, which, which by the way, is, is really... if. If there are listeners out there, and I'm sure there are many of you who have not been exposed to ID Magazine, you, if you get a chance, go to your local Barnes and Noble, and Whole Foods, and, Whole Foods, uh, and or go online because you can send it out. Right? Uh, yeah, subscribe. Yeah, go to shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, go to EID. Uh, you don't need the apostrophe. EIDE magazine.com and you can subscribe to the uh, online and get a printed publication from the website Uh, but let's talk about the content because I I really think that is at the core uh, of your success and we're going to revisit for just a moment um, something we had talked about a couple of years ago and it has been a couple of years and that is the the concept behind the content. How did you get your arms around um, what the content of ID Magazine would be, Tova? Well, that actually, I think, is something that has evolved. When we originally started in an online space, we knew that we were going to do fashion and beauty and um, design and society and cultural aspects and travel. Uh, and we knew we weren't going to focus on certain elements, um, but we're going to spend our time doing others. And as it developed over time, we realized that we were already having sort of a Southern focus. So when ID started we online, it wasn't necessarily about the South per se. Uh, and so we just continued to talk about Southern makers, talk about Southern business owners, talk about Southern design. And then as it grew and expanded, we realized, oh, my God, all we're talking about is the South here. Let's be honest here. We're talking about the South. We're talking about what's going on in our backyards. Um, And I think that that helped pivot a lot of the content. Um, But we knew that what was going to be the leader in terms of that, despite the region, was going to be aesthetics. So um, 
we're very inspired by the way things appear and and that includes craftsmanship and that includes you know beauty and the surroundings and the dwellings and um, the design and how people create and do things around us and um, I think we're a very aesthetically driven culture. I think showing things like applications like Instagram and how they have taken off shows how much we really love to interact with a moment that we can visualize. So using that as sort of a tenant um, and designing the content to make sure that it would look really beautiful within those realms that are really flourishing in the the framework of aesthetics, it just kind of fell into place in a weird way. <laughs> Well, and and also, uh, do you agree that when you focus on elements of design and craftsmanship, uh, food, uh, form and function of Southern society, it has application to other Oh, societies? Oh, 100%. And I think that right now, the South is such a leader. And this is what we found. And we're very lucky with this moment that, you know, you go to other places, you know, you go to L.A., you go to Chicago, you go to New York, um, and, like, every hipster in Brooklyn is drinking out of a mason jar now, and it's a big trend. Um, people really love this sort of farm-to-table look and the burlap on the table settings and picked flowers outside of your house. And, you know, anthropology has been known for these furniture items that they have where the paint it looks like it's chipping off. And all of these things are really just southern in its soul and in its creation. In the South, it's very much a family table, a farm table sort of aesthetic. I mean, we've had mason jars and used them in other ways besides pickling for generations. I mean, we grew up with our grandmothers doing that. So it's so funny that I think the rest of the world is starting to look to the aesthetic of the South as a more comfortable aesthetic. And you know, we just used old coffee tables that had chipped paint coming off of it and deemed them to be beautiful. And now you're spending $5,000 for a coffee table that has a painted coat on it and then is, you know, forcibly chipped off to give it that look in the aftermath. So I think with that, it is a global uh, trend that we're seeing that we're very, just the idea of craftsmanship and also the idea of ingenuity of the things that you, this whole like reclaimed movement in a way has always been at the core of Southern values is, you know, people never really threw things away. People just repurposed the things that they had. And, you know, you took an old door frame and, or an old window frame and you turned it into a picture frame and, or a piece of art and you painted on things and to reuse them instead of just throwing them away. Um, and it's like the whole world culture is sort of following in its footsteps. Or you fashion leaded glass and use that same frame uh, to uh, create a work of art. Uh, What what, what I find is that there's just depth to Southern culture. There's real depth. There's um, a history uh, such that Southerners were defining shabby chic before shabby chic was (laughs) even a concept. Yes, it's true. Even before we knew what to call it. Um, it was something that people just effortlessly did by pairing traditional elements with whatever new modern elements they could find or fashion. And I think that 
that soulful nature is really mixing and blending generations. I think that's something the South has always really done is we have a very proud resonance of, you know, what things look like, old picture frames, old pictures, old everything. Um, you go into a lot of even modern homes these days and they find ways to put a lot of their traditional heritage elements from the South into, incorporate it into their style. So I think that that is where the South is very strong is like blending several generations into one finite aesthetic that continues to move. Um, and that's so exciting because I think that there's so much beauty and I think that is what you touched on is the South really has a depth to it. And I think it's why people call it, you know, the soul of the South or a Southern soul. Um, and I think that soulfulness really comes from knowing that there's a lot of heritage and the things that we do. And I think in the food culture, that's really apparent. Most of the things that define Southern food culture are really things that, you know, grandmothers pass down to their grandchildren, you know, uh, fried chicken recipes and all these things that are, you know, considered very southern by nature across the board no matter where you are they'd be like oh that's a southern food grits or whatever but there's really something beautiful about that tradition that is really passing down those recipes that has been done for for centuries and i think that because we've sort of with like sustained that respect for these recipes and that's why food culture in the south really is flourishing because now people can take modern interpretations of something that has been practiced over and over again um with the same level of respect that you'd find in maybe like french chef kitchens you know across the world well in fact uh it's interesting you should use a european example because in some sense, even though there are parts of the country where there's a lot of emphasis on family and generations of family and having a uh, respect for the family and its uh, roots, uh, I think it's more so in the South that you find that uh, family orientation uh, almost like Europeans, yeah. where where family uh, is is everything, and lots gets passed down uh, beyond recipes. What about uh, geographically? Do you find yourself? And is it uh, Texas boots to North Carolina barbecue? I mean, is it you, yes, you cover the breadth of, of the South? And yes, and Texas included, Kentucky included, um, Florida. Although we tend to want to focus on like. Gainesville, you know, these areas versus Miami, which doesn't really uh, traditionally feel like the South, but of course we do we do cover things because they are in that region. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love I love Austin. I love these southern cities. And if you go there, they identify very much um, with both southern and western culture, which is kind of fun to have that sort of blend. Well, I, I see lots and lots of potential here, and I don't uh, mean to suggest something that... Uh, one, uh, you might have already done and I missed, or two, um, that uh, this is the only way to go. But uh, I, I see uh, a state focus. I see a publication that's got, you know, a, a North Carolina, South Carolina section, a Texas section, a Kentucky section in an issue so that it was the state issue. But I also see the city issue. Yes. You know, so that uh, I, and, and I could, the potential is great because on every issue you could ha- highlight uh, two or three cities, uh, or you could do an entire publication dedicated to thirty southern cities, <laughs> or whatever. But you know, but a city focus because much like the character of the South, which I think is more colorful uh, than a lot of other parts of the country, and I don't want to uh, poke fun at any other states outside yeah, of the South, of but there are states with less 
color, uh, if you will, um, and um, some of them are pretty flat uh, in in more ways than one. But the cities in the South as well um, have unique characters. I mean, Austin... Oh my God. Uh, uh, um, is, is so different from Houston and Dallas, San Antonio, uh, uh, New Orleans is so oh different God, than any other uh, city uh, in the world. In the world, uh, and um, it's and you know we've got Charleston, you got Savannah. So I mean, obviously, there's lots uh, uh, for ID Magazine to work with <laughs> for centuries. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's now talk a little bit about. Um, um, and we can get back to content because I, 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 I want to touch on some of the things in your current spring uh, issue. Um, but I don't want to forget to uh, begin the, the, the conversation about how you went from a online publication to a print publication, which, as we said in the promo, that's no easy thing to do. No. Um, in fact, um, it's totally cost prohibitive from the standpoint of uh, lots of entrepreneurs. And uh, you have an advisor in Craig Rosenberg who <laughs> may have said, uh, um, honey, are you sure you want to do this? Um, because once you looked at the numbers, and if you look at the publication itself, you decided that you wanted the publication to be upscale in look and feel. Yeah, it's on really heavy paper. Um, so it has a weight to it and a substance and I we consider ourselves paper snobs at ID Magazine. We care a lot about that sort of craftsmanship, which I do think is also a southern thing. We're very into handwritten letters and we're into really beautiful inks and pens and letterpress. That that tradition really hasn't died in the South. So I think we are very wise to knowing um all those aesthetic things, even if you don't know paperweights per se. Well, in fact, I want to drill down a little bit and talk uh, about that because I think you personally have that uh, sensibility about um, almost the history of, of of communication embodied in uh, good design, whether it's online or in print. We'll talk more about that. We're here with Tova Galfan of ID Magazine. We'll be back with Tova right after this break. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hi, this is Tracy Pearson with Prissy Tomboy. The Prissy Tomboy radio show empowers females with confidence and belief in self through active, healthy lifestyles. Listen every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on America's Web Radio. 
The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Tova Galfon of ID Magazine. We're talking about the online version and the evolution to a printed publication. And just before the break, we were talking about how the printed publication itself uh, from day one was upscale, not just in its design and uh, layout, uh, as well as having strong content, but uh, Tova, y- you seem to have this orientation, a- and it's a it's a respect for the the publication, yeah. the art of publication, if you will. Yeah, would that be fair to say? For sure. Um, it's so I grew up wanting to do print magazines, and then as the digital world uh, sort of took hold. I kind of was in the mindset that print was dead like everybody else. Uh, and I worked at a digital media agency before starting ID, so it was definitely my mantra to talk about digital frameworks. So when I started ID, it was never like, let's go into print. Let's That was never the thought process ever at any point in time. And then as we created content, uh, a lot of the attention to detail that we have when we create it is really in the spreads that we do and the photography that we take. And so it translates really beautifully in print, but also in a digital space, it's kind of a sad situation because if you see beautiful something that's inspiring and it, you know, it's like a 20 person crew to get this photograph and it just looks very epic, very Vogue, very, you know, inspiring and you could frame it, but then what are you going to do online? You're going to pin it, you're going to save it to your desktop. And then what? It's a very hard way to interact with things that have large-scale photography. So I think that the content itself really led people to want it in print. And so that's what started happening is people would be um, looking through it online and then, you know, send emails and say, we'd really love it in print. Can we have it? And uh, and I was like, what are you talking about, you crazy people? Print is dead. You don't want this in print. But then I realized that I was still reading print magazines. I still wanted to rip out pages. I still wanted to put it on a coffee table and experience it over and over again in different moods and different lighting situations. It's just in on a phone or on your laptop, it just you miss so much of that and there's not a way to really hold on to it. And and not only that, but it's really difficult to have a uh, coffee table online publication. Mm-hmm on your coffee table. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, if you take the time to lay something out that's beautiful and there's a certain aesthetic to the 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 the, the process of thumbing through a publication. Oh yeah. You know, there, it, literally it's 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 tactile and there's a different sensibility which I I I would imagine you may have increasingly come to appreciate but then you get to like lay it out on your desk or on your coffee table and it has a longevity which you know you have archives online for uh, most publications but it's not the same yeah and it's funny because 
you know, we still have an, our online site has content that's updated daily. So it's, but it's very different stories in our, in our print. Um, sometimes we'll re, you know, use stories that were on in print and then we'll, you know, repost them online. We do that typically on Fridays. We call it from the issue Friday and we sort of showcase it for an online readership as well, just in case you haven't purchased the magazine. But for the most part, the stories are different. And what I really learned, um, in media is that different types of media really have different types of homes. So when people went through that stage where print was dead, a lot of that is the idea of like a weekly publication. Because now, if you want hard news information, it's best served in an online format. It's best served on your phone. It's best served in, you know, posts listed on Reddit or something where you can get that information very quickly. However, if you wanted to have a long-term think piece where you're building sort of a climactic ending in a story that has a lot more of creative uh, realms about that story and how it's written and sort of articulate several different concepts, that doesn't really fit in an online presence either because people don't have the wherewithal and they don't have the interest and they don't have the attention. And typically when people are reading their stuff online, they're doing, they're multitasking. So when you're doing work online and then you're clicking and scrolling through a news feed and you're, you're like, oh, here's this story, this story. If you want something with more depth, you might have your iPad or your phone that you're reading it. But again, like you're getting updates on your email. So there's a lot of things that are sort of tricking your brain into going in a lot of different directions, gives us monkey mind, so to speak. And it's funny because people really are looking for that break and that mental space to actually read an entire story, to read an entire book and to have that. And the digital world is starting to find that that's very challenging for people now, um, trying to use those platforms to tell longer stories. Um, and, and there's still wonderful publications that are online out there doing that. And it's a huge challenge. And so what I found is that print publications, if they are stories, are meant for print, designed for print, created not about this is happening this week stories because those have no business being in print, but saying this is a cultural moment. Let's look at this and this will be relevant in three months. This will be relevant in nine months. This will be relevant in two years that you could go back and read that story in a print facility, in a print place. It has so much more structure and strength because your people are able to take the time and the space to look at it and to revisit it and mark notes and, and sort of create a table conversation with somebody. And in digital space, it's not really meant for that. On the flip side, you know, it's like one of those opportunities for so many different types of publications to look like, hey, maybe print is something that really reinvents what we're trying to do. So while we're doing that, we're looking at both sides of the coin. It's just really exciting because I realize that print is not dead, but print the way that you thought it was is dead. Now you have to realize that print is having a second life and there are publications out there like serial publications like Kinfolk. There's so many unbelievable publications coming out in the past two years, all in print. And why? They're all tapping into this idea that we really want these keepsake things, that we want these treasures, but also that when we're reading content, we want to be sort of engulfed in that content and we want that break because there's very little time in an online space, even for advertisers. It's so interesting that all this new data that's coming back is that people, your brain is now learning to just completely wipe out any advertising you see on Facebook. Your brain just ignores it. You literally block it out. You don't see it. You know how to click 
the right X in the corner to sort of delete everything that you see via email blast, whatever. Um, and so as it becomes more of a perpetual way of life, your brain even sees less and less of it. So when you all of a sudden have a print publication, it forces you to go past these advertising moments. It forces you, and you know that you have their attention for it. They're going to see the campaign that someone did, whether they like it or not. There is a focus um, that you get uh, to have when you look at a publication that you don't necessarily get to have when you go online. You can take your time and go through information and go through layouts uh, online, but you 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 don't typically go online to linger. Yeah. Okay. To even loiter. Yeah. And it becomes almost a luxury. Yeah. So I, I could see um, Linger Magazine, Loiter Magazine, uh, Keepsake Magazine. Yeah, uh, right. I'm, 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 I'm joking here, but, I mean, would we be surprised if someone else uh, came up with the, the, the same idea and just coined their publication Keepsake Magazine? Right. Because that is one of the inherent uh, benefits uh, of a printed publication is that coffee table piece is something that you get to have the luxury of lingering through. It's true. And it's funny because your your attention span will sustain it, especially if the visuals are there. And then also you can share it in a way that is personalized. It's just breathtaking that experience and watching our readers sort of enjoy a print publication. And I look, don't get me wrong, I read a bazillion publications online, but I also read just as many in print these days. And I find myself spending more and more money buying more and more unique print publications that really explore different aesthetics than I ever did in the past. Well, you know, when you go through the trouble of collecting, uh, of structuring uh, content, uh, as in the case uh, with America's Web Radio. I'm not suggesting America's Web Radio has to have a printed publication, but when you think of the breadth of stories that exist from 50-some uh, hosts every week and and uh, a range of stories, those could be packaged as a, as a printed piece. For sure. Uh, it would be an enormous undertaking, but the vehicle for uh, pulling together that range of content exists, and in your case, you took the vehicle that was the online publication. and And did you wake up one morning and and decide that, hey, I think there's a scale of economy because now more than ever, since uh, the publication is uh, designed digitally, using uh, graphic uh, design and layout software, hey. We don't have to undertake uh, the necessarily. You might lay it out a little bit differently, but there's much to be borrowed from uh, layout-wise uh, that does translate into print, and and consequently, there is a literal scale of economy. Did you did you did you think about that before the publication? I really wish that I did. In so many ways, I think that I am very much a thinker and a doer, but I don't take a ton of time in that in-between space, which I think is a beauty of a lot of entrepreneurs is that do you have the energy and the focus just to make it happen? And really, the what happened was more that people just kept requesting it in print. And I thought they were crazy. And I thought, okay, we're going to do the tiniest print run ever of small magazines of like independent one-offs. And if you wanted to buy it, you crazies, you could buy it online. And so it was $25 an issue. Like, 
because that was the cost to us. We didn't make a cent. And so we would just print these sort of one-off rounds, and they would sell out. We couldn't keep them in our online store. And I thought, well, this stupid crazy. Maybe that there's something here. And I guess people were right, and I maybe should look at doing, like, a larger print run. So at that point, this is, you know, this was Greek to me. This was two, three years ago. And even though I've been an editor at several publications, the editor almost never goes to the printing factory. They never deal with the printer. They never deal with paperweights and all this stuff. So I knew what I liked and what I didn't like, but right, I had might no cross idea. Over, they might cross over a little bit into the art Direction side of things, a little bit. but not further into the production side. Yes, of and the production side is a whole another monster that I didn't even know. But the second someone started telling me about it, oh my gosh, I got so geeked out, excited because there's so much in printing technology these days. So we we book our printers Quad Graphics. We love them. They print National Geographic. They print Vogue. They print all the majors. And we went down to a plant to actually see how they did it, and that's where. I fell in love. Well, we're going to be taking a break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about um, your art director and a little bit about uh, uh, what uh, he went through and what he goes through to help literally translate the online publication into a produced print publication. We're here with Tova Gelfon of ID Magazine. She's the editor-in-chief and creative director. We've been talking about content and about the transition from the online publication to a print publication and a lot of other stuff. And we'll be back with Tova right after this break. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Could an app be the answer to a better garden? Absolutely. It's the new free app, Homegrown with Bonnie Plants. Note, track, and photograph your garden's progress. Personalize your weather and reminders. Get variety info, grow guides, hands-free dictation, and more. The Homegrown with Bonnie Plants app. The sharpest tool in your garden. Download it free on the App Store. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine. Understand Obamacare and learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we're here with Tova Galfon, the editor-in-chief and creative director for ID Magazine. We've been talking about how they were originally an online publication, and now they produce a beautiful print publication that complements the online publication beautifully. Uh, We... Before this break, this last break, we were talking about the production of the publication, and you have an art director that would have 
<laughs> lived and breathed the specific elements that went into creating the print publication, which, as we said before, it's no easy task to do. Um, and he would have been thinking through where the scales of economy were without any loss of quality layout and design for the print publication. He, he I'm certain, wasn't going to just take wholesale uh, <laughs> online layouts and try to apply them to the printed page. So he must have had his share of, of headaches, uh, and at the same time, it was probably a... a, a may have been an enjoyable project. Tell <laughs> well, us about that. Well, Avi is uh, the art director, and he's my brother. Uh, I am the eldest sibling, and um, he's about three and a half years younger than I am, and he is a genius. Now, Avi probably never wanted to go into print magazines. He actually got his degree specification on animation design, emotion design, and uh sort of with a little bit of an emphasis on graphic design, but really his space is a three-dimensional world. And um, it was kind of funny because when I started this, being knowing that he's just a psycho genius, he's so unbelievably talented, I really wanted his skill set on this, but he, he would have nothing of it. He did not want to go into a print world. He didn't want to play this game, and he wanted to just do like animation, which is what he loves. Does he love it now? Oh, he loves it now, but he still loves animation. So he's always doing, you know, 48-hour film festival. Like he's always creating, you know, motion and all those kind of design elements as well in his spare time. I don't think it slowed him down. I think he has a lot more of a framework of reference. But I think that's also why when you look at ID, aesthetically, even if you can't place it, you it's so different from other publications, but it's because our art director is thinking in three dimensions and creating in two. So that really allows it to look like a different element. Some of the design work really is playing off of design cues that you would use in a video animation. Like, he'll make things almost pop and look like little plays and tricks on how the design or the coloring and all those aesthetics work that other art directors may not know how to do or that he's thinking outside the box because he's not thinking in a two-dimensional space. But how I got him on board was sort of a big sister manipulative kind of move. Um, We were so lucky in the beginning and within the first six months online that we were able to bring on Brandon Collins who as an art director and he works at Cartoon Network I don't think he works there anymore at the time worked at Cartoon Network Um, and he is a beautiful visual artist and he has a fantastic reputation he's so much fun he's so creative Um, so I brought him on and he really wanted to help get ID's sort of vision sort of more hammered out as we were creating larger aesthetic points of view and so I basically told my brother, hey, Avi, Brandon is working with ID. Do you want to come and work with Brandon? And he was like, yeah. So he came to work with Brandon just so that he could work with this other guy that he really respected. And then within, you know, a few months, Brandon basically turned over the keys and said, hey, man, you got this. Like, I don't even need to be here. You have these ideas. You know what you want. And, you know, I go and prosper and be the art director because clearly this is what you're made to do. So I kind of, that was a bait and switch, but I got him on board. Well, it was a brilliant move, uh, especially if you thought about it well in advance and, <laughs> and then you executed it uh, beautifully. Um, Avi, if you're out there listening, um, 
I'm 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 relatively certain you must be working on the ID Film Festival <laughs> uh, that has a, a lot dedicated to the animation arts, and then the publication itself can review some of those animations in the animation issue, and. Uh, you can take some of the visuals, and you're the perfect guy to translate those visuals into a still image uh, that could be used in the publication. And you'd be qualified to be one of the judges, and right. <laughs> uh, you'd be crossing over from the technology side to the content side. Um, so you you work with one of the best printers in the country. Yeah. I mean, th- that had to be a monumental decision uh, expense-wise. Yeah, it was. It was really scary, but um, they're so fantastic because they work with a lot of young new publications and they do catalogs and things. You wouldn't think that they would do such scale. Um, and, you know, I shopped a, lo- a lot of printers, but I think really what sold me is there is a printing facility that they have that is south of Atlanta about two hours and they print their um, things that are saddle stitch which basically means that they're stapled on the side so there they actually at that facility produce in touch magazine they produce uh sports illustrated at that facility uh our publication is actually printed out of wisconsin because we have what you call perfect bind which gives it a book-like side um and they just don't have that technology here in georgia but we wanted to see how it was done and they gave us a huge tour of this factory and there's just you know rooms of paper rolls i mean and the inks that they create and the technology that they're doing they could put you know, microchips inside of a print publication now. And, I mean, it's just the things that they do are unbelievable. They It blew my mind. And I got really inspired by this whole craft of printing and the technology that they have today that they never had a generation ago. Now, did you ha- have to get involved? I mean, did you feel the obligation as editor-in-chief and publisher um, to make that visit along with Avi and did you get involved in the pros and cons of working with an American publisher which could cost more as well as having uh, the quality production capability but lots of publications are produced in China or Korea yeah for sure so it's funny because uh, a lot of our uh, inspiration publications are European publication so a lot of the aesthetics you see in ID kind of look a little bit like a European magazine that's because that's what I'm inspired by a lot and a lot of the techniques that we see we always go to our printer we're like we want to do this and he'll look at it and he'll be like okay so that is all hand done and they can afford to do it because they're like in some sort of sweatshop in you know Poland or something pretty much where they just have workers doing all these little techniques by hand and it's very economical for them to do so so it is a lot more expensive for us to sort of Reinterpret the things that we see on universe and um, on these other things. However, it it is to me it was a no brainer. I didn't really take any time to think about it at all because I also wanted to understand and be very connected in the process. And so the plant manager in Wisconsin, his name is Robert, and I know him and I talk to him often, and he gets my personality and the things that we're doing. And I, I mean, I think that when a printing element it's the living breathing organism until it's done really um at every step of the way and there's so many places where it could go wrong until it goes right and i 
don't have I think maybe I'm too much of a control freak I don't have enough faith to just send it out into the universe and be like I hope it comes back from China right I actually want to be involved in that process and um, so with them and with everything and seeing the print and how it comes together and also the lives of the people I mean these factories are huge they're like the size of cities they have their act- they have their own um, doctor's offices on site where all the families can use them. I mean, it's this really incredible thing that they do at Quad. It's very cool where they sort of have like insurance com- embedded within the factory. And so you like the families have these doctors that they could go use because it's like in the city center. I mean, I don't really understand the full scale of it, but pretty much it affects all these lives. And they're doing the best work. I mean, all the publications you see are pretty much printed by them, and so... Now, uh, rather than having press checks, um, that tedious aspect to print production uh, that has agencies, uh, design and publication groups uh, going to the printers to review things, oftentimes while the printing press is uh, has been stopped and is waiting to continue uh, the print process... Is that handled by courier? Do they send down uh, a Sometimes. Proof? We, it, we'll, there are certain pages we'll want to get a proof of, so that'll be like a cover. Or sometimes, every once in a while, we'll do photographs where we're really concerned about how that color is going to be, and so then they'll overnight it to us. Um, and so that's totally... So it's an understanding about yeah. when it is that they think that you might want to review something and and then a whole lot of trust because... Oh, my God. Because they're very good. Yeah, they're so good. And it's hilarious because they the things that they'll call me about that they'll notice... Um, I mean, and they'll literally just be like, hey, we just noticed X, Y, Z. Uh, we're going to take it off the press or we're going to show it to you or send you an email. I mean, the, the little details have been really phenomenal things that they noticed. I'm like, you saw that? I didn't see that. I can't even see that. I don't even know what you're talking about. But if you think it's not right, go do it again. You know, they just are such perfectionists there. So I trust them more than I trust myself. You have a lot of really quality uh, photography in the publication and uh, that is something that requires uh, quality reproduction. Yes. Uh, And so... Um, we're going to be taking a break here in a moment. But when we come back, I want to talk about uh, the emphasis on photography and how I think to a very large extent some of your background with publications that put a lot of emphasis on quality photography just carried over so that from day one you were an online publication that placed a lot of emphasis on quality photographic imagery. And that's carried over into the print publication. And, in fact, when we talked about mm, your personal passion for the art behind a printed publication yeah. in this issue you have a uh, an article about the history of photography yeah and I, I think that's that's uh, sort of ironic and uh, and uh, pretty cool we're here with Tova Galfan of ID Magazine, we've been talking about the evolution of the publication uh, from content to production. We'll be back with Tova right after this break. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. 
Thank you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. This is Dr. George from Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps, a chronic sinus infection, or allergies that are either undertreated or have never been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we use state-of-the-art equipment so you can see the problem. You'll be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment because we believe in old-fashioned medicine where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. We specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery, correction of a nasal septal deviation, and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office, getting you back to work the next day. And you can rest assured that all options will be discussed before surgery is recommended because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. If you'd like to make an appointment, call 404-591-9100 or reach us on the web at www.peachtreeentcenter.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Tova Galfon of ID Magazine. Tova is the editor-in-chief and creative director, and we've been talking about everything from the content to the production of both the online publication, but with a focus on the print publication because it's the newer evolution of ID Magazine. And just before the break, we were talking about the emphasis on quality imagery, quality photography, And ironically, in the current spring issue, the 2015 spring issue, which is focused on form and function, um, there is an article entitled First Light, the Discovery and Conflict at the Birth of Photography. And it talks about the parallel tracks that more than one artist and craftsperson uh, <laughs> technology uh, of, of the uh, 17th century uh, going back into the 1800s and you actually include some diagrams in some of the very earliest uh, imagery um, but it you know uh, a lot of people uh, know of uh, let me see if I can pronounce this correctly the guru types uh, which were the Daguerre early ty- yeah. uh, the early photographs uh, and but Daguerre was not the only person uh, that was working on uh, on photography and so you have this interesting story and the story to me is symbolic or uh, it, it, it's, it exemplifies this range of focus on aspects of culture uh, that that go from fashion to technology uh, and the publication in a sense itself is a cross between there's so many different examples you can use but I'm going to use 
a fashion uh, publication like Vogue, Architectural Digest, <laughs> and Smithsonian Magazine. Yeah, I mean, I, and so confusion. tell me about that, Tova. How you how you even get your arms around um, the range <laughs> uh, uh, of content, even issue by issue. Let's, let's talk about the current issue, which is uh, entitled uh, the form and function issue. How did you come up with that? So. When you look at the entire year before we sort of come up with an editorial plan and basically have some, we do like this sort of brain dump on words. And so we'll be like, we should have an issue about this and sex and discovery issue, like whatever. We just kind of throw out, there's a lot of really horrible ideas, let me tell you. Um, and that's the fun part, I think, of it. But then, you know, obviously some stick. And then we think about what's going on with our culture at, at different times. So, for spring, you know, everyone's thinking about spring cleaning. People are, you know, reinvigorated to design their spaces. They're thinking about aesthetics a lot more because you've just come out of the winter and you, you know, you sort of want to like refresh your house and you're going to outside a little bit more. So we look about like what's going on in accessibly in our culture, like what we see a lot of action. And then we want to speak to that because we want to be super relevant to what people's thought processes are at the time. So for us, we knew because of that we wanted to focus on a lot of interiors and a lot of design and a lot of architecture because it's really on people's minds during springtime. But we want to expand upon that. So we wanted we decided to do form and function. So it's really about design, it's really about usage and all these other different elements. But you know, every issue we think about what season are we in? So the next issue is the discovery issue. It's summertime. So in summertime, we're going out and we're discovering new things around us. We're traveling a lot. Maybe if you're not traveling, though, you're going to try new things that are local. Um, and it really is about opening your mind. I think summertime really speaks to that, uh, opening your mind sense of, uh, inv- like, adventurous spirit, uh, which we is very, like, Southern at heart. Um, so... We're very excited when we come up with a concept that we think embodies it. And then once we come up with that concept, then we sort of try to stretch it as far as we can. So we're like, how far can we take a concept like form and function and still have it be relevant? Like, how much can we stretch this idea to include things that you wouldn't think and sort of reinvent what people consider form and function to be? And so that's sort of how we come up with our themes and push them a little bit farther. Uh, But yeah, that photo story, that is done by my favorite writer, Austin Holt. If he's listening, he's my favorite writer we've ever worked with um, thus far and he is brilliant. And that was that story was actually his concept and his idea and he really likes the idea of things like Edison versus Tesla, like these two genius minds sort of uh, working towards one larger goal at the same time, and then whoever ends up having the notoriety was really the either the first to market or the best to market. And so I think that that idea is really exciting and something is very relevant right now because an idea is born into the world in several different places. I think we're seeing that a lot in the tech world where there's, you know, apps that do the exact same thing and they're coming at different parts of the country or being created and it's really who's first and or who's best that sort of decides whether or not people are using that app over other apps. So that, you know, struggle and perseverance story really is something we see 
every single day around us. And it's kind of inspiring and kind of exciting to see, you know, some things that we take for granted, like photography, which is embedded in our cameras. And so we do it all right now in such easy frameworks, but how there really were two sides of the story across the ocean um, doing it. And then also, you know, we tie in a lot of young Atlanta artists in the story that are really on the forefront of new sort of three-dimensional photography uh, that is is sort of happening, this really cool artistic movement, and how it's really a living, breathing art form that's not dying, but continuing to evolve past this. I wanted to mention another uh, story um, that in the current publication, uh, a story by Jody Cash that is entitled Balancing Act, and it talks about how the CEO of Fabrique, a uh, very leading-edge fashion uh, uh, boutique. boutique. Well, it's a boutique it, uh, company. Spinola. Yeah, Dana yeah. Spinola, the CEO, uh, has carried over her own design sensibility into her home. And you chose to uh, focus on that design sensibility that's embodied in her own, uh, in the interior design of her home. This is one of my favorite homes in this issue, although it's hard to choose a favorite. Um, but really because I strive to be like Dana in the sense that you see how incredible her home looks. And she has four small children. Um, and to think about having a, a lot of it is very white in nature like so she has like white couches and it's just very um colors that you would find very problematic especially since she has three boys uh and so i don't even understand how she's able to make it look so fantastic but we're seeing this more and more where women are able to not lose themselves in terms of their aesthetic while still being a parent um and i think that our parent generation and their parent generation it was more like you're a parent now and everything can be sort of you know for the kids in terms of design and now we're seeing a movement where there's a lot of very beautiful mature design that also includes sort of for children and I am obsessed with that marriage of beautiful aesthetics and teaching your children to have that sensibility from a very young age and and this story actually characterizes um that sensibility uh, and that dimension of Dana Spinola um, as it's embodied in design such that it is an example of where the publication, your publication, along with that uh, Smithsonian <laughs> Vogue orientation, this crosses over into House Beautiful Architectural Digest, Southern Home, uh, in your uh, your content. Um before we, we close out, we have so much to talk about. <laughs> we can do three or four programs for sure. Um, you have an umbrella organization and that you've had from the very beginning, Enlightenment, with an M-I-N-T spelling to Mint, Enlightenment Media, LLC, is the uh, the umbrella organization of which ID is one of the communications vehicle. Is there anything on the horizon <laughs> that you might want to uh, tell us about? Yes. So we've been growing so much. Enlightenment Media Group is uh, has always had our division called Enlightenment Creative, but it was very hush-hush by word of mouth. And so we're now going to be a lot more public with the existence of Enlightenment Creative. And uh, that's sort of 
the aesthetics that you see in the magazine is where clients come to us and we develop logos, we develop social media, we develop content, um, and the same level. We do actually custom publishing. Some of the other publications that you see out there may have been done by us, but only if they're the pretty ones, obviously. Um, but so there's a lot of other elements where we share that creative services plan with other people and really work with clients. Um, and so it's very exciting. But then additionally, we are launching um, sort of a separate I, a di- property with ID. I guess it's sort of a sister publication um, that is Atlanta-specific, and it's our first city-specific magazine that we're launching. It's called Lookbook Atlanta, and it will be out this summer, and it is going to be more of a city guide, uh, but a beautifully done, editorially relevant Atlanta shopping guide, so to speak. This is just really everything to see, do, eat, experience, and buy in Atlanta, which is growing so fast. So we're really excited about that, too, and it's going to be small enough to fit in your purse and obviously just as beautiful as ID, if not more beautiful. Uh, only a little more portable and focused <laughs> on Atlanta and uh, a real guidebook. A real guidebook. But uh, I wanted to like, uh, mention to um, listeners out there, uh, we didn't have time to talk about the origin of the name of ID Magazine, but suffice it to say, it was derived from the Greek word eidos for the essence of culture. It means the essence of culture. And you have been true to that that name. Um, I think so. And honestly, it's a real word. People ask that all the time. We were actually the word of the day on the Words with Friends game. So I was like, finally, it is a real word. It's just not used in our common daily vernacular. Was there ever any thought to using Eidos? As the, was it Eidos well, Magazine? Yes. Not as cute as I mean, it's, it just didn't aesthetically look as pretty with the E's and the E's. It's all about and aesthetics. Yeah. And also... Um, ID, it's plural, so it's not just one culture. It's several cultures together, so it didn't really... And Eidos is, is the essence of one. Well, you uh, you have uh, succeeded in creating a publication uh, that is about the essence of multiple cultures with a focus on Southern culture, um, which at the top of the program, um, I mentioned that I, I think it relates to lots of other cultures just because how can food and fashion and... Uh, art and architecture form and function not be something that other cultures can relate to tova i want to thank you for taking the time to come on to the business i love coming here it's so much fun you're so passionate too so it's well you can tell i believe in your your publication (laughs) and i believe in you You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We've been with Tova Galfun, the Editor-in-Chief and Creative Director of ID Magazine. You can go online, E-I-D-E, with an apostrophe. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio next week. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.